Coming up on this week's episode of the EV Resource Podcast, BMW announces the i4 concept, GM does their best to wow us with an all-EV day, the Tesla Model 3 earns yet another award, and more. Hello and welcome to the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answer your questions about electric vehicles. Thanks for being with me. I do want to thank Titan Auto and Tire in Mosley, Virginia for their support for this podcast as well as all the work they do for my personal vehicle to keep it in tip-top shape. Okay, so for the news this week, we're going to start with BMW, and due to the cancellation of the Geneva Auto Show, they weren't able to reveal this car there. Um, so online, they had an event where they announced their plans to add yet another vehicle to their all-electric lineup, the i4 Concept. Now, joining the i3, which is kind of a taller and, and narrower car, and the i8, which is definitely more of a uh, fast-looking, low-slung sports car, the i4 is a four-door Grand Coupe, more of a fastback sedan style. I like the rear. Definitely the side profile is um, very attractive. The interior of this car is four seats which i'm not sure why they didn't put five in there maybe to make more room for the 80 kilowatt hour battery they have in it um, a curved glass uh, display for the driver and on paper it's a really really nice car it's a 270 mile epa estimated range which is definitely going to be competitive with a lot of the newer evs that are out there and when it comes to power they definitely didn't leave anything behind this has 530 horsepower coming from a single electric motor. That's more than the current version of the V8 M3. So definitely a vehicle that's going to compete when it comes to performance. The only downside or reaction that people are having negatively um, is coming from when you look at the front of the i4 concept. The designers really wanted to accentuate the traditional kidney-shaped design of the grille. Where BMWs, that is their, their signature at this point, is the kidney shapes. However, with the i4 concept, they really exaggerated that. So um, I saw some comments that are kind of equating the i4's front grille to a cartoon beaver, which if you look at it that way, it's you can definitely see that um, and possibly not unsee that. Um, so I think that's probably one thing that uh, I would encourage BMW to possibly reconsider the design of when they do take this to full production. Uh, and I know I'm not alone in that, but if you look past that, this is really a serious contender to compete well in the EV space. I like it. I think it definitely has some potential. And of course, it's a concept. So it's hard to say what, if anything, of what we're looking at here is going to make it to production. Um, but take a look at it. BMW actually released a two-minute kind of teaser video themselves on their YouTube channel. You can go take a look at that or simply look at some of the articles that were released. 
and see for yourself. You know, uh, it is definitely something that I think that front is polarizing. Some people may like it. Uh, from what I can tell, a lot of people do not. The biggest news story of the week, however, was not about the i4 concept, even though uh, you would think such a vehicle from BMW would really steal the show. However, the spotlight this week was really fixed dead on GM. Uh, GM had an EV day where they outlined their plans for not only uh, nearly a dozen new vehicles to be produced and released and sold over the next five years, but also all about a new platform they're calling Ultium. Similar to the way Volkswagen's doing the MEB platform, but with GM, they're planning on making a lot more flexible and versatile in their design. So they weren't specific on vehicle by vehicle specifications, but overall for the platform, they did outline what it will be capable of uh, and how they intend on using it. So the batteries themselves, they plan on ranging from 50 kilowatt hours on the small end all the way up to 200 kilowatt hours uh, for their biggest variant, which 200 kilowatt hours right now is basically twice the size of the biggest batteries that are being used in any vehicles right now. Um, an estimated range of up to 400 miles or more, depending on vehicle. Most of the car models that they plan on using this in will still use a 400 volt system, but the charging is going to be increased to up to 200 kilowatts of potential charging. So that's going to be something to look forward to because one of the biggest gripes on the current version of the Chevy Bolt is that it's uh, somewhat limited when it comes to how fast it can charge on DC fast charging. Um, their truck platform is going to be an 800 volt uh, battery and system that they're working with, with up to 350 kilowatts on fast charging. So that is much improved. Uh, and obviously for a bigger battery, like a 200 kilowatt hour battery, you're going to need to be able to charge that a lot faster uh, so that you're not sitting there for such a long time filling it up. On the performance side of things, they're saying that some of the vehicles will have a acceleration of 0 to 60 of around as low as 3 seconds. Um, and different configurations for drivetrain will be uh, front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, and then, of course, getting into more of a performance all-wheel drive applications. GM did give us an idea of which vehicles they plan on, or which models they plan on introducing over the next five years. They are reviving the Hummer brand, of course, under GMC's nameplate. Um, they are going to have a new Cadillac, uh, a large CUV called the Lyric, two new mid-sized crossovers for Buick. Um, the Chevy Bolt is going to get an update for uh, to be released later this year in 2020. And then a newer kind of stretched version of the Bolt, which they're calling the Bolt EUV, um, that will be launched in the summer of next year, 2020, and probably be uh, on sale to, I uh, guess, be produced in 2022. So definitely a lot to look forward to from GM over the next five years, which is 
great because we need more variety of EV models. We need to have more choice where, you know, we stop talking about, oh, we can choose between a gas car and electric car. They're just not special EVs anymore. They're just cars. An electric car is just a car that happens to be propelled, uh, powered in a different way. Um, so I'm excited, not necessarily specifically about a, a model that GM's coming out with, but the fact that they're just taking action to move forward on this. And the last bit of news that I want to bring you this week is related to the Tesla Model 3, which Tesla vehicles have been known to be very safe vehicles. In fact, some would argue that they are the safest vehicles on the road. Um, well, the Tesla Model 3, again now for 2020, received the IIHS's Top Safety Pick Plus rating, which is the highest rating that they award. While the Top Safety Pick Plus award is not easy to get uh, from the IIHS, they only awarded it to 23 vehicles this year. The Model 3 has some advantages that a lot of other cars don't have. For example, there's no engine in the front, so everything in front of the driver, well, I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of space in front of the driver is room for a crumple zone. So if you were to rear end something or get in a head-to-head -head collision, uh, there's a lot more car to crush before it's going to affect the interior uh, occupants of the car. Um, but something that was surprising and kind of counterintuitive, the Model 3 has an all-glass roof. And you would think, okay, well, that's going to make it more dangerous if it's in a rollover uh, or some other situation like that. But in this case, the, the roof on the Model 3 can actually resist over 20,000 pounds of force. So even though it's all glass, it actually added to the safety of the Model 3 itself. Aside from that, of course, Tesla has a lot of safety features, auto braking, um, and other things to not only protect interior occupants, but also pedestrians or people that are outside the car as well. So I don't have an EV owner story this week, but I did want to dive into one of the reasons why I went and got an EV myself. It was almost entirely based on the economic reasons, where EVs cost a lot less to own than their internal combustion engine counterparts. Um, but in addition to the fuel savings that they provide, much of the cost savings of owning an EV comes from the reduced cost of maintenance needs. This is because EVs do not have a lot of the mechanical parts that are found under the hood of a gas or a diesel vehicle. And as an EV owner, of course, because of that, you don't have to worry about oil changes or replacing spark plugs, air filters, timing belts, or many of the other components that you would find under the hood of a gas or diesel car or truck. Um, and avoiding these things can save you quite a bit of money over the life of the car. Um, now, that's not to say that EVs are maintenance-free. You know, I, I have heard that a lot of people are like, oh, they don't require any maintenance at all. Well, that's not true. I mean, there's 
still things that are going to wear out um, fluids that would need to be replaced. Um, they are still going to have recommended maintenance schedules from manufacturers in order to keep them in good shape. Um, now, other than basic maintenance, like uh, tire replacement or rotating tires, topping off fluids, replacing wiper blades, um, those types of things, it's important to take your car to a qualified repair center uh, to have regular inspections at least once a year done on the rest of your car, as well as making sure that you have the maintenance schedule according to the manufacturer adhered to so that you don't void your warranty. Now, the maintenance schedule itself is going to vary from brand to brand and even model to model. Um, for my own, the Chevy Spark EV, for example, the maintenance schedule is actually something that I had to verify because I knew EVs didn't require a lot of maintenance, but uh, I wanted to see what the owner's manual recommended just to make sure that I was, um, I guess, complying with um, the schedule that Chevy had put out there. And I was pleasantly surprised and, and even shocked the first time that I looked at it because it, it was very basic. Um, every 12,500 miles, they recommend rotating the tires. Um, I think it was every 15,000 miles or so, changing out the air filter for the cabin air, the air you breathe on the inside. But aside from that, brake fluid with had an asterisk next to it, where it's every five years, replace it if it's needed. And then every 150,000 miles, change out the coolant. Uh, and it's not a special coolant that's super expensive. It's just regular glycol um, that you would find in, in just about any car. Um, and that's it. There isn't any more maintenance for at least my car that's on the recommended schedule uh, aside from inspecting different parts, making sure that, um, you know, things are going to wear out. Brake pads are something that a lot of people say, oh, you don't use the brake in an EV. Well, that's not entirely true because you do use the brakes. Most of the braking is going to be handled by the electric motor with uh, through regenerative braking, but you still have physical brake pads and physical brake pad rotors that are there not only as a backup system, but on some vehicles, that is what is there to actually bring you from a slow speed to a full stop. So while you're not going to go through brake pads and rotors as often, um, I mean, you might go through it every few years instead of, um, well, or... Let's just say it's a lot better. Um, you're not going to burn through it as often as you would with a car that doesn't have any choice but to use friction brakes. So I wanted to kind of go through that. And, and for those that might be EV curious or new to the idea, um, I really wanted to kind of hammer down that point that EVs are not maintenance free they do still require some maintenance, but it's way less than you would find in an internal combustion uh, engine vehicle. Um, and the big thing really is just 
if you're unsure about handling some things on your own, take it to a shop that's familiar with EVs. They know how the EV systems work. They're qualified and trained to work with high voltage systems if something does need to be repaired. Um, obviously, I take my car to Titan Auto and Tire um, because of that. They are, in my area, one of two shops, basically, that are qualified and certified to work on hybrids and EVs. Um, I don't want to take my car to some sh just random shop down the road or even uh, a mechanic that I might have taken my Honda Civic to because that is a very different vehicle than what I have now. And I want to make sure I'm taking it to somebody that's familiar with it. They know what to look for if there is something that um, may be wearing incorrectly or something that it might not be a problem I'm aware of yet but that they could be preventative and proactive in taking care of it for me. So that's why I take my car to Titan as an example. And if you're not in the central Virginia area, um, find a shop that's close to you that is qualified by the ACDC, that's the Automotive Career Development Center, um, to take care of your car. You know, if you are in the central Virginia region, then I definitely would say, hey, take it to where I do. Take it to Titan because um, they're going to take really good care of it. Okay, so that's it for this week. Um, as always, if you do like the videos that we're putting out, please subscribe. And then when that pops up, click the bell so that you'll be notified each and every time we upload a new video or a new episode, uh, which of course is weekly, uh, 2 p.m. on Saturdays. Uh, try to get it out there like clockwork and be reliable with that. Um, but you can find us on all the socials, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we are releasing the first edition of the EV Resource magazine. So it's digital. Um, that is going to start off small and then build in size over time. Um, but if you're interested in that, there on the webpage ev-resource.com, there is a section where you can subscribe to get the magazine, and that'll be once a month. So um, definitely trying to get the EV information to you and the uh, your friends, family, the people that you love, the people that are interested and excited about electric vehicles. Um, get that out there in as many ways as possible because I know not everybody watches YouTube videos or listens to um, audio podcasts. You know, not everybody's going to have Facebook. Um, so if you've got an email address and you want to receive that magazine, uh, go ahead and subscribe to that and encourage other people to do so as well. Um, but that's it for you this week. So thank you very much for watching and we'll see you next week.